Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Tuesday, August the 2nd, 2022. Uh, as always, I'm sitting in San Francisco on a steep hill looking out over the world. One of the nice things about the Keenon show is I get to hear a lot of different opinions, a lot of different concerns and worries. Um, the Germans have a word for it. They call it Zeitgeist, the spirit of the times. And if there is a spirit of the times, uh, it's about smart machines. It's about how we maintain whatever it means to be human in an age of increasing intelligence. We've done many shows on this over the years. Uh, over the last week, we did one with my old friend, the deep futurist Pavlos Holman, suggesting that as AI takes a tighter and tighter control over us, we need to maintain our humans. We need humans in the deep future, according to Pavlos. Uh, yesterday, I did a show with Turaj Parang, a startup entrepreneur, um, he has a new book out called Exit Path, How to Win the Startup Endgame. More broadly, we might think about uh, a book called Exit Path for Humans, How to Win the Endgame when it comes to AI. Uh, there are people who are rather pessimistic. One of the world's leading authorities on AI, Toby Walsh, who's based in Sydney, Australia, is concerned that... Um, we are barking, so to speak, up the wrong tree, teaching computers to be empathetic, he thinks is a serious mistake, given that that's our superpower. That's the thing that we hold over computers. He argued this brilliantly in his new book, Machines Behaving Badly, The Morality of AI. Even I have weighed in on this. I wrote a, an essay for Lit Hub a couple of weeks ago, uh, asking whether our capacity for empathy can actually save us from ourselves. As I said, this is the zeitgeist. Every day there's a new book dealing with it. And today we're going to talk about this whole issue of uh, how we maintain whatever it is that defines our humanity in an age of the algorithm. My guest is Gerd Gingerenza. Um, he's a very distinguished German academic. He has a new book out, How to Stay Smart in a Smart World. And I'm thrilled that Gerd is joining us um, from the Baltic coast, uh, just north of Berlin. Gerd, welcome. I'm glad to be with you. So what do you bring, Gerd, to this particular story? Uh, as I said, uh, you're not the first or the last person to address the whole issue of how we humans stay smart in a smart world. Tell me a little bit about your background. You have an unusual background, a rather eclectic one. You're an academic, but your studies cross over traditional boundaries. Yeah, that's true. I'm interested in how people make decision-making under uncertainty. So um, that means that uh, the smart world is an example of uncertainty. We don't know where it's going, but from the different opinion that you had mentioned, it is the idea that the, there's an end game between humans and, uh, and, and AI and machines. That's what I think is the wrong perspective to that. So uh, if anything, it is humans behind machines 
that may threaten us. It's not AI per se. So let's let's talk a little bit about the the GERD behind GERD Gingerenza. You're associated with the Max Planck Institute for Human Development. You head up one of its institutes, uh, Simply Rational. Um, it's a very influential uh, institute, Max Planck. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where were you born? And what brings you to the study of human reason, decision-making? So I was born in Bavaria, in a little town, and grew up in Munich. And uh, I had an earlier career as a musician. I was playing jazz, Dixieland, and various other things. And um, so when I did my dissertation work, I had to make a decision whether I would stay on the stage and at this time earn quite lots of money or take a risk and do an academic career where I didn't know whether I will ever become a professor. So I took the risk and it worked. But you could argue, Gerd, and and you're the author, I I don't want to take you on on the risk-taking front since you're the author of a book called Risk Savvy, How to Make Good Decisions. But one could argue that the bigger risk would have been to stay a musician. It's a much tougher profession than being an academic. Yeah, but not for me at this time. I had a, a well-running band and uh, and I earned a multiple of what I earned as an assistant professor. And the, the risky decision was really academics. But as I said, uh, I was not willing to spend all of my life on the stage. Let's go back to your book, How to Stay Smart in a Smart World. Let's imagine we go back a few years to when you were a student, you were making this decision between whether you should be a musician or an academic. Had we fed that into an algorithm, how might the algorithm how how might the algorithm's conclusion have been different from the human GERD? What year was this, by the way? Sorry? What year was this? Oh, no, that was in the uh, late 1970s. And so certainly an algorithm's decision or recommendation could have been different. But in general, it uh, algorithms do well if it's a stable world. So predicting outcomes and also playing stable games like chess and go that's where algorithms succeed or routine uh, industry applications they're not getting tired and they're not uh, uh, boycotting things because they uh, don't they want more pay and but if uh, problems are in an unstable world so that's most of all everything that humans do then algorithms can not do better than humans and also not do better than simple algorithms. So that has been shown in recidivism. So if you stay in trial and there in the US, there are a number of programs that assist uh, judges to uh, estimate the risk that you might commit another crime in the next two years. So the studies all show that these typically opaque complex algorithms do not do better 
than uh, just an algorithm that, that uses age, gender, and previous convictions. So in general, if it's about uncertainty, then the algorithm do not do well. And one can understand that easily. For instance, big data helps if tomorrow is like today. If it's not the case, then you get a systematic bias with using big data. So in many situations, less is more. So what you're saying is the algorithm is dependent on the past and the past doesn't always inform us about the future. I'm curious, you, you, you brought up crime and judges. You're the author, as I said, of Risk Savvy and also Gut Feelings, as well as um, How to Stay Smart in a Smart World. There never seems to be anything particularly rational or certainly smart about committing crimes. Why do you think people do commit crimes? No, there's a number of uh, theories about that. And actually, some economists... What's your theory? What's your theory, Gerd? Oh, it's mostly a social issue. You are part of a group that when you imitate what the others do, and you want to imitate that because otherwise you are out of that. And if you happen to be in a group that uh, makes its livings from stealing or from killing, you're part of it. So it's not that most of these people make a decision. They just run on social heuristics. You keep on using the H word, um, and I, this has come up in, in my research on you. Heuristics, you even wrote a book about it. What does this word mean? I often hear it, and I have to admit, I don't really know what it means. Okay. Uh, do you know what a rule of thumb is? So I know a what a thumb, thumb is. I know a thumb. Yeah. I, I'll even hold it up. I don't know what a rule it's, of thumb is. It's a simple rule. For instance, Here's my thumb, Gerd. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, for instance, if you want to uh, live healthy, there are a number of rules of thumb that spare you to calculate and add and multiply calories with others. For instance, eat three times a day, period, and not in between. Don't eat anything that your grandmother doesn't recognize as food. So these are examples. And uh, social heuristics are uh, imitation, advice-taking, tit-for-tat, so that what guides our social uh, life. So these are heuristics. Heuristics then are a tradition. And, and you talked about your explanation for criminality is that you mimic or you conform to your group, your class, your gender, whatever neighborhood you're part of. I, I'm curious, Gerd, your new book, How to Stay Smart in a Smart World, what, what really intrigues me about the title is how to stay smart. We're not very smart if we're dependent on heuristics. And we're not very smart if we commit crimes simply because the people around us commit crimes. So how exactly are we smart? What's your definition on that? Okay, it's heuristics that make us smart. So I know that in the behavioral sciences, there is this story that optimization, expected utility maximization would always be the best solution and heuristics are second best. This is not true. It's only true in a world where you can really calculate the risk where tomorrow is like yesterday. In the real world, we run on heuristics. We run on the rules that 
And these rules, using the right rules, that is what makes us smart. So for instance, take uh, the fact that uh, according to a Stanford study, 96 I never trust anything that comes out of Stanford, Gerd. I'm a, a Berkeley person, but anyway, go on. Okay, you have to live with Stanford. No, I'm teasing you, go on. Okay, according to a Stanford study, 96% of undergraduates and high school students do not know how to tell whether a website is trustworthy. So they are looking whether it looks cool. Uh, but that can be easily faked. And um, so meaning trustworthy means who is behind the website? Who wants to influence you? And here, uh, in order to get smart, there are a number of heuristics. One is lateral reading. So most of digital natives read a website like they're reading a book. So from the beginning to the end. Lateral reading uses the possibilities of digitalization. So it means you just scan what is this about, and then you leave the website and go to about us and go outside and find out who is behind of all of that. So these are simple rules that we- Where do we get those rules and they apply to websites and indeed to people? If we're sitting in a railway station and someone comes up to us and starts chatting, we might be nervous. We might think that they're trying to rip us off or we might think they're genuine. Are these rules, these heuristics built into us? Are they programmed or are they things that we learn over our lives? Oh, uh, most of them we have to learn. So, and also some of the heuristics are intuitive. So that means we can do it, but we can't explain it. And for instance, how a, a baseball outfielder catches a ball is a, based on a simple heuristic. It's called the gaze heuristic. And it basically means keep your eye on the ball and run in a speed so that the angle of gaze remains constant. But most of the baseball players, if you ask them, they don't know how they're doing. So the heuristic is intuitive. So it's interesting that here we have a social scientist telling us that none of this can be measured. In, in terms of American sports, the, the quote that's most famous, I think, perhaps on your theory, Gerd, is from the very famous ice hockey player, Wayne Gretzky, who says, who said famously, I skate to where the puck is going to be, not where it's been. Is this essentially what heuristics are? Yeah, but uh, he doesn't describe how the heuristic works. Yeah. So, but it's basically the sense. So it's so a it, sense, but it. But I'm assuming for you, as a somebody associated with very distinguished institute, a, a reasonable man, Gerd, that this stuff can be measured. It's not just intuitive. It's not art. It's science. Of course, it can be measured, but Andrew, you are may have a little bit prejudice against heuristics and. Uh, reading too much of behavioral economics, or at least the, the standard. Well, I, I, to, to be honest, I, I don't know the difference between heuristics and behavioral economics. Are those the two poles? Okay. No. So, um, what is behavioral economics? Um, it's a field that looks at economics and tries to put in some psychology. I just mentioned it, but it's not important in this context. The point is, that observe yourself, how you make decisions every day, and you will find out it's often simple rules. 
So let's go back, um, Gerd, to this book. So you have a theory of us as heuristic creatures. That's where our intelligence lies. Can we train algorithms to be heuristic? Can we train algorithms to know where the puck is going? Surely we can. We can. Algorithms are are predictive, aren't they? I mean, the, the smarter they become, um, the the Google uh, Google AI has just come up with a an algorithm that predicts the architecture of proteins. So 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 why can't the algorithm eclipse our intelligence? Yeah. So again, you need to distinguish between a stable problem and a non-stable problem, or in other words, a well-defined one like chess and go, and ill-defined one like predicting human behavior. And algorithms such as deep neural networks are very good in dealing with stable worlds. But the same has not been shown, and I think it will never be shown, that it can deal with uncertainty. And one of the key differences is that the human mind has evolved capabilities that we do not know how to program those into, say, a deep neural network. And that's causal thinking. It is common sense, intuition, and intuitive, intuitive psychology and intuitive physics. And if we would uh, know how to do that, then we could have a super intelligence, but that would need a total revolution of software programming. And certainly deep learning is not the way towards this goal. I, I take your point on learning to play Go or chess, or indeed even predicting the architecture of proteins. But could you give me some examples of, of how this works? Uh, can you give me some examples of um, scenarios, imaginary scenarios that the algorithm can't crack in the human world? Uh, you know, I, we, we brought up earlier the young GERD making the decision between whether to become yeah. a musician or an academic. Would that be one example? That would be one example. Another one, another example is, for instance, uh, predicting uh, the spread of the coronavirus. So you may remember that Google tried to predict uh, a few years ago the spread of the flu, and it failed. And uh, the flu is something that's highly unpredictable. It mutates, it changes, and big data is not the way to capture that. We have shown it was a very simple heuristic that just uses one data point. One can predict much better than with Google's um, secret big data algorithms. Let's talk, um, Gerd, about a couple of big issues that have come up a lot in, in the show. Uh, the medical industry. I did an interview with a fellow German scientist, Harold Schmidt. You may be familiar with him. He has a book out, The End of Medicine as We Know It and Why Your Health Has a Future. He thinks that we can predict our, our health through the analysis of AI. What, what does your argument, what, what, do the, what does heuristics tell us about yeah. the role of smart tech in terms of us humans managing our own health. You brought up earlier the example of how we should eat and learning from our grandmothers. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I, my guess is that Schmidt's on the other side of this debate from you. He is perhaps a behavioral economist when it comes to the use of AI in the future of medicine. Okay. Uh, AI can do problems in medicine better than humans. And these are stable world problems. For instance, it is at the moment as good as humans in diagnosing a skin cancer. But skin cancer is a fairly stable problem. It just stays there and has some variance. On the other hand, uh, you may remember that IBM's Watson, the supercomputer, after he did or it did its great job in the game Jeopardy, then Gene Rometti, the CEO of IBM, announced a great moonshot, healthcare. Not because Watson knew anything about healthcare because that's where the money is. And it took institutions like NH Anderson several years and they lost $62 million in order to find out that all the promises from the IBM's PR department do not hold up and that Watson is not better than an ordinary doctor, if anything. At the end, IBM announced that Watson may be at the level of a first semester student. So here's an example about the same type of machine and it can do some problems such as Jeopardy, a game, and it cannot do other problems that are highly uncertain, such as uh, finding the proper uh, cancer therapy. So and, and a lot of this GERD refers back to how we behave. We did a show uh, last year with an American economist, Elizabeth Pop Berman. She believes that thinking like an economist might be a form of madness. She argues this in her book, <coughs> Thinking Like an Economist, How Efficiency Replaced Equality in U.S. Public Policy. I suspect you may agree with her. Is the problem that economists expect we all think like economists? So let's take the example of U.S. healthcare. Um, everybody knows, or everyone should know, all you've got to do is open a newspaper or switch on the television, that you shouldn't eat too much because it's bad for your health. If you're overweight, it will um, compound the risk of heart attacks, early death, cancer, and so on and so forth. And yet, the American population gets fatter and fatter. What would heuristics tell us about um, confronting the the plague, the epidemic of obesity in America that economists can't explain? So heuristics would tell you a number of things you can do in order to avoid getting obese. There is a beautiful book called Food Rules, and it's just heuristics, such as what I mentioned, eat three times a day, and that's it. And uh, the, the problem is not just uh, in the minds of these people. There is a sugar industry. There is an unhealthy food industry that has tons of money and influences people into uh, behavior that makes them obese at the end. So uh, the, the general problem with economic theory is the following, that it is designed for a stable world. So uh, in economics, one calls this a world of risk as opposed to fundamental uncertainty. And as long, for instance, 
the financial world is stable, predictions are good, but then a crisis happens and it cannot be predicted. So the, neither big data nor the economic models have predicted the crisis of 2008. And also big data hasn't predicted uh, that uh, Trump would win over Hillary. So these are all uh, problems with high degrees of uncertainty and we need a different kind of theories for economics. What about a different kind of theory for each of us in terms of approaching the world? I did a show last week with an American writer, Erica Sanchez, who suggests that immigrants are quintessentially American because of their propensity to take risk. And I did a show yesterday with an economist, a development economist, Stefan Durkan, um, who has a new book out called Gambling on Development, Why Some Countries Win and Others Lose, suggesting that some countries win in the developing world because their elites are willing to take gambles. Should we treat life as a, as a form of gambling? Um, Gerd, is that one way of making sense, of utilizing, of leveraging our intelligence? No. So if gambling, if you mean by gambling, like throwing dice? Well, no, no, no. Taking, I mean, you, you, you wrote, uh, you know, you wrote this book, Risk Savvy, and you wrote yes. Gut Feelings. I mean, is life a form of gambling? Should we approach each decision as a kind of, um, as a gamble? Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to explain that if you mean by gamble what most people mean, namely roulette or throwing dices, the answer is no, you should not, because life is about uncertainty and not about calculable risks. So that's, for instance, if uh, the if banks before the financial crisis, uh, it's often said that they gamble. Yeah? If they would have gambled, they could have uh, calculated the risks, but they couldn't. The world is not like a, a casino. And that's the key point that one needs to realize. What you need to deal with uncertainty is what the human mind has gotten from evolution, also from learning. So that means an intuitive psychology, an intuitive physics, and also a willingness to take risks in the sense of, of a world of uncertainty and uh, also social intelligence. That's all things that we, at the moment, cannot program into uh, machines. And it also is unlikely if you go the way for deep learning, deep learning is basically a statistical machine. And uh, statistical machines are not intelligent in the sense of humans. They can, they can computate correlations much better than we. But for instance, alpha zero that can play better chains better chess and go than any human player doesn't even know that it's playing a game called chess or against a human player. God, so, can we program machines to recognize their own ignorance? Uh, if you if you tell the machine in the instructed, probably yes. But uh, the if you just for instance, uh, if you take the, the natural, language, natural language learning systems like uh, uh, they can produce 
beautiful language, but if you ask them a nonsense question, they don't notice it. What about, let's end with perhaps the most existential question of all, the climate. We've done, again, many, many shows on this. It's another feature of our zeitgeist today. How to fix the climate crisis. I did an interview with an American environmentalist, David Victor, yesterday, co-author of Fixing the Climate, Stretches for an Uncertain World. That's a a term I think you like, uh, Gerd. He's slightly more optimistic. Uh, one of the things about the climate crisis, and maybe this resonates with your theory of heuristics, is is nobody, of course, wants the world to des- to be destroyed. No one wants um, obscenely high temperatures. No one wants the destruction of other species. And yet we continue to do this. What is your theory of heuristics? How how do we stay smart in a smart world and at the same time save the planet, Gerd? Yeah, I mean, this is a big question and uh, individual people can do uh, their own share in order to reduce electricity, to reduce emissions, but also governments are called. And many governments are too close on industry to be actually willing to do uh, what's being necessary. So, uh, Heuristics are simple rules to uh, survive in an uncertain world. Your theory is really seems to be pre- premised on on human agency. Is that fair? Um, that yeah, how to stay yeah. smart in a smart world suggests that machines can never acquire agency, and that that's the thing human agency, which defines who we are as a species. Is that your conclusion in your work? Oh. Look, uh, if you mean by machines, artificial deep neural networks, which is at the moment the state of the art, yeah, then you need to understand these are statistical machines. They are basically what's called in statistics non-linear multivariate regressions. And nobody ever thought that uh, these regressions would resemble human intelligence. And now we have powerful computers who can do all of this much, much faster. But still, you can't expect that just by adding computing power, that there will be a qualitative change, that these machines will certainly get an intuitive psychology. And that's a big confusion. And that's also a positive message, meaning that human intelligence is something that's amazing that has evolved over millions of years and we can do things and know things and understand things that is very different from a statistical machine yeah yeah, you you, you keep on repeating that i i i I remain unconvinced good another german scientist einstein famously said that form of madness is repeating the same mistake over and over again. Most of the people I know keep on making the same mistakes in their personal life. How would you explain that? Most of us okay. don't. Uh, the, same, the same Einstein said yeah, on intuition yeah, that the intuitive spirit is a, a gift and the rational spirit is its servant. And we have created a society 
that honors the servant has forgotten about the gift. And it seems to be you're on the same track. Einstein was deeply convinced that his big discoveries were a mixture between intuition and then looking at data. And that's what a recent study with 17 Nobel laureate always says. We should not ignore these amazing capacities of the human mind and just think that machines can do everything better. That's marketing hype and religious faith, techno faith. Well, that's an interesting argument um, in this endless debate about humans and machines, how to stay smart in a smart world by Gerd Gigarenza, why human intelligence still beats algorithms. I hope he's right. I'm not necessarily convinced, but we shall see, Gerd. What else are you reading these days in addition, since you're fortunate enough to be on the Baltic coast, just north of um, <laughs> Berlin? I'm sure it's very nice there at the moment. What else are you reading, yeah. Gerd, these days? I've just read a book by John Kay, an economist, and Mervyn King, the former... Mm. Uh, FDB uh, writer, John Kay. And... Uh, it's called Radical Uncertainty. And they have a very similar position that I have. Huh? Namely, we need a different conceptual uh, vocabulary that is heuristics and narratives in order to deal with uncertainty. That's one book I can highly recommend to you. Another book I'm just reading, which just came out, is by Lorraine Daston. And it is called Rules. It's the history of rules in the Western world. So these rules are also heuristic. There are rules about cooking, rules about what you're allowed to, how you dress and what you're not allowed, until rules in artificial intelligence. And it gives you a background to understand the power of these rules. And none of these rules is an optimization rule or anything like that. The idea that machines by themselves could do better than humans is a very recent one. And also, I think it's most of techno, uh, yeah, uh, 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 things about face and also about not understanding the statistics. If you ever studied statistics, you would know what these machines can do. And that's amazing. But like every tool, they can do some things, but not everything.